you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk three days a week during the offseason, and yes, five once football gets rolling again. And today, we're going to talk all about the 2010 season for the football and basketball teams as we ride that time machine once again. But first, got to remind you guys that we are being brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. And you know what, when it comes to 2010, I'm sure probably the first thing you guys think of is Missouri defeating Oklahoma, and why not? It's a beautiful moment in Mizzou history. There's a lot more things happening in that season than you might remember. A tremendous amount, in fact. And also a better basketball team than you might remember as well. But first, let's talk about some modern stuff, shall we? Well, The Athletic recently, in fact, C.J. Moore at The Athletic, did one of their exit interview series where they interview recently departed from college athletes like Reed Nico, for instance. And CJ was talking to Reed, and maybe the most interesting thing that he had to say, I certainly would encourage you to check out the whole thing over at theathletic.com, but it, it was interesting that Reed Nico basically confirmed that if there was a way for him to play a fifth season this coming year, he would have done it. And whether that would have been because of COVID-19 stuff, how the NCAA is allowing baseball players, the spring athletes, softball players, they're allowing them to have another year, a fifth year, if they, if they want to have it. Well, Reed basically said if they would have done that for basketball, he would have bought in. He would have been all about it. And also he said, well, another way he could have maybe had a fifth year, we all know that Reed had some hip problems coming out of high school. And his freshman year at Missouri under Kim Anderson he was definitely not the player that he could have been physically. We saw Reed get a lot stronger, but we also saw him get healthier during his four years in Columbia, too. And it is interesting to think, what if we would have redshirted him his freshman year? Certainly easy to say with hindsight, seeing how Reed has turned out to be a really solid player for Mizzou. But, you know, just I thought that was interesting that Reed was basically keeping all of his options open as late as maybe a month or two ago. He was still holding out hope that he might have gotten a fifth year. So I just thought that was kind of interesting to note. And speaking of the athletic, well, Peter Ball had a pretty interesting piece on the Tigers as well. In fact, it was about a recruiting weekend. Eli Drinkwitz, when he had to basically throw down the gauntlet and try to save, salvage his first recruiting class that was in some ways, also Barry Odom's last recruiting class with guys like Jay Macklin and others. But, you know, we sure, we sure didn't spare any expense on that trip, on that weekend. I will tell you that right now. Missouri ended up spending $54,000 on this weekend in order to land these recruits, all these visits. And Peter at The Athletic provided a really interesting breakdown of a lot of that stuff. And I just thought it was really eye-opening and makes you realize, boy, the football program really does bring a lot of money into this town, doesn't it? Even when it's not necessarily on a game day weekend. So included among this whole expense report was $1,600 worth of candy from the candy factory. Hey, that's a pretty good day for them, I would say. Also, 
they played for $20,000 worth of airline fees. You see, some of the recruits were able to drive to Columbia, and others and their families needed to fly. And guess what? Missouri takes care of that stuff. I'm going to be completely honest. I was not aware of that. But, hey, there you go. There's a big chunk of the money right there. But also, 26 hotel rooms down at the Broadway Hotel. They spent about $8,300 on that. Then, another $7,400 went to Haas's Market. Hey, that's pretty sweet. Good job. Good on you, Hosses. $1,100 to D-Rose. We ate a lot, is what one of the one of the recruits said. Yeah, I'd say so. Also, $878 to Silver Ball, the arcade downtown. A little over $1,000 to Chick-fil-A. 44 Stone got $1,900. Chris McDee's, oh, they, th- they threw out some crab legs, salmon, and jumbo shrimp to the tune of $1,300. And finally, room 38, well, not finally, there's two more. Room 38, 1100 bucks. And finally, our buddies over at Coley's, nearly $1,500. Wow, that is a lot of money. And I didn't even mention the fresh flowers from Hy-Vee for 270 bucks. And finally, indeed, this really is it. I know numbers are too much on the radio sometimes, but 350 bucks to Shiloh Bar and Grill. Now, that's what I call some stimulating the local economy right there. My goodness. And are we just trying to make our recruits fat? Is that our goal? And just in case they go somewhere else? I, no, I'm kidding, of course. But the amount of food there is truly unbelievable. I mean, they were, they must have been, these kids must have been eating four or five times a day during this weekend. But anyway, just for some context, just so you don't think Missouri is alone in this, while Missouri did spend, again, fifty-four grand. On this weekend total, well, a Clemson apparently spent about 90000 when they had even more recruits than Missouri did for a weekend. But still, obviously the Power Five, the amount of money going out around in Power Five football, well, it's not just going to Eli Drinkwitz, is it? It's going and all of his assistants. Boy, there's money going to all kinds of places and all kinds of indirect ways that you would have maybe perhaps never thought of, or at least I didn't. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Some big numbers there for you. But hey, I'm certainly not going to be mad at the local businesses, especially during this time, for, for raking it in from the football team. In fact, good for them. Now, while the Mizzou Athletic Department may have broken the bank on that recruiting weekend, you're certainly not going to break the bank when you go with Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever devised, in my humble opinion. And they taste that good because they are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And quite frankly, it's a great option if you're on a diet, if you're trying to watch your calories, the old waistline, that type deal. Because, for instance, my personal favorite, the mint brownie, only has 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of of net carbs. And by the way, when I said only 15 grams of protein, that's actually a good thing. You want more protein. So allow me to correct myself there. But most importantly, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. And coming up after this, it's the time machine back to 2010. By the way, just a quick correction from yesterday at the top here. I believe I said that Justin Gage 
was a true freshman in the 2000 football campaign. Well, he was a freshman for the 99-2000 basketball team, but that was definitely his sophomore season. So just wanted to clean that up here at the top. And now on to 2010, which quite frankly was a really, really interesting year as a sports fan in general, but especially if you were a Mizzou fan, to be quite honest, because this was the year that conference realignment rumblings around Mizzou really began in earnest. Because in June of 2010, Nebraska officially left the Big 12 and joined the Big 10, effective that next 2011 season. That was, I mean, you want to talk about news that reverberated throughout the college football landscape. This was basically the move that started everything, that started all the conference realignment and ultimately ended up with Missouri being in the SEC. So yeah, you might say this was a pretty important period historically. Now, while in recent years there have been a lot of beat reporters who've thrown cold water on the idea that Missouri was ever strongly considered or certainly not ever officially offered a spot in the Big Ten, there were other people, strong voices in the conference like Ohio State President Gordon Gee, who said, very candidly, I think we made a mistake. And when he said we made a mistake, he thinks they made a mistake taking Rutgers and Maryland. And he continues, because we thought about adding Missouri and Kansas at the time. There was not a lot of great deal of enthusiasm about that. I think we should have done that at the time. Well, that was obviously just one man's opinion, but clearly Ohio State has a lot of push in the Big Ten, to say the least. A lot of pull. Perhaps I'm using the wrong word there. They have push and pull, I would say. How about that? Unfortunately, there was another off-the-field story that hit right as the football season was about to kick off. And that was Derek Washington being accused of sexual assault and ultimately being dismissed from the football team. And that's about, frankly, all I want to get into that right now is just mentioning that it happened because, well, frankly, I don't have that much time to get deep into a sexual assault allegation. And there's much more to get to in this football season as well. One thing I noted was this was Dave Yost's second season as an offensive coordinator. And i got to be honest, I've always felt like Dave Yost, because he was a very unusual guy, not only with his physical appearance, but just his, his offense was very unusual as well, especially for the time. And a lot of traditional Missouri fans would react very violently anytime something went wrong against the Missouri offense. But really, when you look at Yost's time, his first year, 2009, with a really incredibly inexperienced too deep there, breaking in a new quarterback, a five-star quarterback in Blaine Gabbert, but still, breaking in a new quarterback. Basically, you had a one-man offense there with Denario Alexander, who was absolutely unbelievable. But if you just look at the S&P Plus offensive statistic, that's basically how good was your offense compared to the rest of the nation, compared to the other 130-some-odd Division I teams. Well, his first year, Missouri was 24th. Then in 2010, they were 21st. Then they were 17th in 2011. Those are pretty good numbers, if you ask me. Now, of course, in 2012, the offense plummeted. It went down to 82nd, first year in the SEC. A lot of that was injuries to James Franklin in the offensive line. But Dave Yost was ultimately fired. And honestly, I don't think that was fair. You still see Dave Yost is prominently involved in college football right now. He's been with Texas Tech, Utah State, Washington State, Oregon, 
that's a big football program. There's a reason that Dave is still very much involved in this game eight years later. It's because he's a good coach. Now, am I saying he's the greatest offensive coordinator of all? I'm not trying to overstate the matter. I just don't want Missouri fans to overstate the matter the other way and not realize that, in fact, Dave Yost did a really good job for the most part as offensive coordinator. I will go to my grave believing that. Come on, fight me. I dare you. But seriously, let's get down to the actual season, the actual games. You know, obviously we think about Missouri's huge win over Oklahoma. That's the first thing that I think of in 2010 anyway. The John McGaffey return, the whole deal, the celebration dog at the end of the game. But you might not remember that Missouri was down 13-3 to at halftime against Illinois. And hey, remember their, their quarterback, Nathan Shieldhouse? Shieldhouse? Well, Missouri was definitely recruiting him at one point, so he was having a game against us for sure. He was hard for us to stop, but ultimately Gabbert completes 34 of 48 passes, finding T.J. Moe and Michael Agnew for second-half touchdowns. Ultimately, they pull away and win 23-13. to Grant Russell hits the field goal to seal it. You know, that was a scary game, but an important one for Missouri to pull out. It really was. I I have much more memories, frankly, of the 09 game because that was Gabbert's first start, and he looked about as good as you could have possibly hoped in that game. That's what really stood out to me. But then second week, Missouri's home opener against McNeese State, well, a little freshman running back by the name of Henry Josie, wearing number 41 at the time, rushed seven times for 112 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, we'll be hearing a lot from that guy in the years to come, for sure, including just a fabulous 2011 season before he went down with that gruesome knee injury against Texas. But then, of course, well, you got to remember the Mo miracle, right? Missouri pulls out a last-second touchdown in the final final minutes of the game. Everybody, of course, remembers T.J. Moe scoring, but you should also remember that Jarrell Jackson made one of the great blocks of all time when he took out two defenders in order to free Mo on the sidelines there. By the way, remember that game was on FSN, Fox Sports Net, pay-per-view. Hey, remember those pay-per-views? I do not miss that whatsoever. It's kind of good to be in the, on the SEC network, I got to say. But really, after beating Colorado at home 26 to nothing. Missouri, probably their best game of the year, wasn't even against Oklahoma. It was probably the previous week down in Texas A&M. Missouri beats the Aggies, a, a solid Aggie team, 30-9 to in College Station. And honestly, we kind of owned Texas A&M there for a while, didn't we? I almost I like to think that we helped just ruin the Mike Sherman era single-handedly, but, but maybe that's not accurate. That's how I'm remembering it, though. And, of course, we all do remember that Oklahoma game. And obviously, along with the John McGaffey touchdown, where I was jumping up and down on my dad's shoulders as I realized he was probably going to score, one thing that is forgotten in that game is that Dominique Hamilton lost for the season there. I believe he had a broken ankle. Somebody landed on his on his leg wrong. He was a key run defender for Mizzou, and the following week against Nebraska, you would obviously really see his loss hurt that defense, that run defense, big time. But despite a couple close games against San Diego State and Illinois, Missouri would travel to Lincoln, Nebraska for their final conference meeting with Nebraska ever, at least probably ever, let's put it that way. 
at least in my lifetime, I, I imagine. But number seven, Missouri, undefeated. Unfortunately, Roy Hillu was having none of our action that day. Because on the first play from scrimmage for the Nebraska offense, Roy Hillu takes the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. And in fact, his first three carries of the game, here were his stats. Three carries, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Yes, that's nearly 50 yards a carry, ladies and gentlemen. And by the end of the, by the, end of the day, he would have a Nebraska record 307 yards on 28 carries. Missouri was down 24 to nothing after the first quarter. And I had blocked a lot of this game out of my mind, to be honest. I, as soon as I saw the name Roy Halou, though, it all came rushing back. It really did. Speaking of rushing, good Lord. So that's got to be one of the most disappointing Mizzou football games of all time, doesn't it? Just It's not only that we lost, it was how we lost. And as, as painful, as absolutely painful as, say, the flea kicker game is, I still have a lot more fond memories of that than in games where we get absolutely run off the field like this Nebraska game. Didn't enjoy it one bit. And unfortunately, the funk continued next week against Texas Tech. Marcus Murphy scored a 69-yard touchdown. Kendall Lawrence scored a 71-yard rushing touchdown, putting Missouri up 14-0 early. But then the offense basically did nothing from there. And ultimately, Mizzou would drop that game 24-17. to Then they'd end the season on a high note, though, with three straight victories against Kansas State, Iowa State, and Kansas before finally losing in the inside bowl, 27-24. It sure looked like Missouri was going to go down, score a touchdown, and take the lead, but there was a bit of a miscommunication, apparently, between Gabbert and Wes Kemp, resulting in an interception in the end zone. So that was a bummer way to end what was really a strong season, quite honestly. Michael Agnew ends up being a first-team All-American 90 catches for 762 yards. T.J. Moe with 92 receptions for a little over 1,000 yards. Both guys had tremendous seasons. And, oh, by the way, another guy on this team, Jarrell Jackson, he and Michael Agnew actually own a business together here in Columbia called API, Athletics Performance Institute. So if you're interested, especially if you're a youngster, you're into football, that type of deal, I would definitely check those guys out. But just anybody who wants to get in shape, Give the API a call. Why not? And also, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the Smith brothers, quote-unquote. Alden Smith and Jockey Smith were tremendous that year. A huge part of that defense. Both really good pass rushers. We all know Alden Smith ends up being an excellent NFL player before, obviously, some personal demons got the best of him. And, well, it seems like he's got a second shot here. He's all sobered up, now signed with the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, Best, luscious, best wishes to Alden Smith, and also I'd, I'd also be remiss if I didn't point out what an excellent player I thought Carl Geddes was for most of his career. So, a lot to jam in here, and you know what? We'll jam some more in on the other side as we talk about the forgotten 2010 Tiger basketball squad. Now, we all remember the 2009 Missouri basketball team that went to the Elite Eight, but few talk about that 2009-2010 season as much. And really, that was a much better season than you probably remember. 
Because frankly, I thought Missouri was underseeded in the NCAA tournament when you really break this down ten years later. But you know what? We'll, we'll get to we'll get to that in a second. First of all, you just got to point out this recruiting class. Now, on one hand, you got you got three man recruiting class. The first guy that jumps off the page, Michael Dixon. Now he was good immediately. Good ball handler, really good shooter, really good mid range shooter. By the way, and just as an aside. Obviously, advanced stats are now saying there's sort of this general idea that you shouldn't take mid-range shots anymore. But let me tell you something. That's a little bit too simplistic because if you're Michael Dixon and you can hit 50% of those pull-ups, those mid-range shots, well, then guess what? You should be shooting those. The problem is, is most people, your average player only makes maybe 40% of those shots. Then if that's the case, yeah, it does make sense to step back and shoot the three, but Again, Kevin Durant makes 50% of them. Michael Jordan used to make 50% of them. If you can hit at that rate like Dixon did, well, then by all means, keep firing away from mid-range. But then the two bigs from this class, Tyler Stone, John Underwood, obviously neither one of those guys made it at all. They ended up being useless as players, I hate to say it. So those were two pretty big misfires there by Mike Anderson. Really, this 2010 squad, this is... I would say this is Lawrence Bauer's breakout season, without a doubt, because he went from, as a freshman, not playing a whole lot, being incredibly skinny, showing some talent, you know, coming on a little bit at the end of the season, it seemed like seemed like Mike was getting a little bit more trust in him as the years wore on, or as the season wore on, I should say, that freshman year. But in my opinion, his sophomore year, this 2010 season, he's the best player on that team. He really is. He's he's better than Marcus Denman. He's better than Zaire Taylor, better than Tiller. And frankly, he's, he's certainly better than Kim English. And I love me some Kim English. This was not a good season for him. In fact, he took entirely too many shots in retrospect. In fact, he took like three, he averaged three attempts more than anybody else on the team. Nearly a 29% usage rate. Now, just to give you an idea, that means he's using, he's either shooting, getting fouled, turning over, or assisting on nearly one-third of the possessions, and he's in the game. Now, he's much closer to 20% his final two years, so he's not taking nearly as many shots. And in fact, his senior year, his usage rate is all the way down to 18%, but that was also by far his most efficient season. And his two-point attempts... His two-point shooting went up like 20% or something like that. So obviously he was just getting better quality looks in that offense, all that good stuff. But just being a little bit more selective those last two years definitely helped Cam a lot. And in retrospect, I just think if we would have given some of those shots to Lawrence Bauer, some of them to, Mar- to Marcus Denman, who knows, maybe we win another game or two. Because quite honestly, Missouri lost a lot of close road games to some tough teams they lost by five at Oklahoma they lost by three at A&M they lost by two to a really good Baylor team they lost by 10 against number six Kansas State and well really the bugaboo for Missouri this year Kansas was just a terrible matchup Kansas beat Missouri twice that season once by 19 once by 21 they just had too much size they had the Morris twins Cole Aldrich Plus, you know, Tyshawn Taylor, Sharon Collins, Xavier Henry. That was a darn good Kansas squad. It really was. They were number two in the nation at the end of the season. Of course, this also was the Ali Farouk Manesh season. So, yes, 
Northern Iowa, this was the year that Northern Iowa took down KU in the second round. One of the bigger upsets of all time when you really think about it. And also one of the most fun, too. If you look at the Ken Pomeroy rankings, Missouri's actually a top 25 team. 22nd in the country. They'd finish 23-11. and 11. My God, we would, we would kill for that kind of season at this point in Columbia, wouldn't we? But for whatever reason, the NCAA wasn't as high on the Tigers. Part of it may have been that well, obviously that, again, the last game against Kansas, Missouri got blown out pretty good there. Also, Missouri kind of laid an egg in the Big 12 tournament as well, bowing out to Nebraska in the first round. So, eh, not exactly maybe firing on all cylinders right at the end of the season, but despite that, Missouri as a 10 seed takes down the seven-seeded Clemson Tigers before falling to Bob Huggins and the West Virginia Mountaineers the five seed in the second round there. But you know what? That was a good West Virginia team that ended up making the final four. So nothing to really feel sad about there or embarrassed about if you're a Tiger fan. Just once again, I really like this team on paper. I like this roster. Again, Lawrence Bowers, man, is was he good. Just an efficient offensive player and a problem defensively too. I mean, the guy was agile, long-armed, smart. He could really do it all. And you know what? Quite honestly, another name I have yet to bring up, Keith Ramsey. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I've got to be, be the president of the Keith Ramsey fan club. There was just something about that guy that I always liked. I just felt like he always played within himself. He knew exactly what he was. Never tried to do anything that he couldn't do. And quite honestly, as the guy who defensively, he's got to be the power forward, the center essentially on this team most of the time. Not only does he have to do all the dirty work in the paint defensively, but after Missouri would make a basket, he was almost always the guy who was guarding the inbounds passer on the press. So he had to be in really good shape. And there are not every guy in the planet, it's not that easy to find a guy like Ramsey's that size at 6'9", but can also do the full court press stuff too. I don't know. Just a solid player that isn't talked about a lot, but hey, again, I'm the president of his fan club, so got to bring him up here at the end. So that'll do it for our 2010 recap. We'll have some more of these time machine segments for you right here next week on Locked on Mizzou. But before I get out of here, I want to remind you guys, check out my friends Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark over on Locked on Chiefs. If you're a Chiefs fan, I'm telling you, that's about as good of a show as you can find. It's just excellent stuff, and I'm impressed with how much they're able to keep doing the modern stuff without really going back in time like I have been. So good for them. Check out Locked on Chiefs. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.